It is the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas, live from the Baylor Club, hard by the uh, Brazos River. And uh, David Ubbin joining us now from The Athletic, a very busy man today. And he's got he's got radio in Omaha. He's got he's a, he's in demand. David, I mean, you remember Colorado hadn't had this much attention, have they, in a long, long time? And I, I can't. I don't know if this is good attention, bad attention. I guess at least they're relevant again. But uh, David, welcome back to the Matt Mosley Show, and it's good to see you writing about an old uh, an old Big Twelve team. You know what uh, that we used to know. You're back up uh, covering some uh, some Buff Nation football. Yeah, time is a flat circle, as they say. I think it's uh, you know th- this whole saga is very interesting, and uh, you know we've we've really never seen a program go from irrelevant to front page news basically overnight. Uh, and you know whether that's good or bad attention, I think probably depends on your perspective. Uh, so, but this is if nothing else saga we've never seen before in the sport yeah and you talk to i mean david first of all this is unprecedented we've seen a lot of players we saw a lot of those players leave a&m uh you've monitored the transfer portal now for you know a few years we have some things nothing even rivals this or comes close i think the total now is i think second place is like 29 i'm talking about since the end of last season at last count, boy, and Max, our man Max Olson, it's like he's counting this thing by the hour, by the minute. <laughs> he's got the most recent numbers. But where does it come in there? Somewhere around like 54 players or something, David? Or is it, I mean, it, it, in a sense, there are – I was reading, and I think you had this. It's like they have so many openings right now. It's, it's crazy. It's like 60 or 70 spots that they could fill – and it's hard for me to imagine there's enough talent out there to bring that many people in there to help you in the fall. I mean, what are we looking at right now overall? Are we looking how many people are under scholarship for them that haven't left, and then how many, uh, roughly, how many openings do they have? Well, so that's a complicated question, uh, but overall. The way that they have flipped this thing, they have room for, as last I counted, 71 new faces <laughs> next year. And, and I wrote about this a little bit in the piece, is that with the new rules, you can basically flip an entire roster in one year. We saw Lincoln Riley use this new rule last year, but I think he used it for around a dozen uh, scholarship players to help uh, basically, uh, you know, hasten the the flip of the program but we've never seen i mean it's just a confluence of a bajillion different things but above all else we've never seen anybody attempt a wholesale roster flip in one year because the rules basically wouldn't allow for it you know until like two years ago and i think you know dion is doing this in a way that is pretty you know, he's going to ruffle some feathers, certainly. There are some people who aren't going to like this, but the reality is everything he's doing is legal. We've just never really seen it before, and we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, and the players, I mean, how strange was that the other day? Um, the player with a really cool name, Lamonius, you know, who had, had put up the big numbers in the spring game. Most times fans would see that and go, my gosh, 158 yards, a touchdown. This is good. This guy's going to be a stud for Dion." 
that guy was in the portal, you know, within 24 hours after the game, and he's leaving. Now, most of these players, as you talk to people, they just weren't being talked to through the spring. In some ways, they're being ignored. I mean, I, you kind of feel bad for them a little bit for, set, you know, lining up, uh, having coaches still holler at them and call them out for things when they had basically already moved on. I mean, that's a strange atmosphere, David. I mean, I, there may be coaches that have known players are going to leave or have an idea that a few players might be leaving, but to systematically sort of ignore a large segment of players throughout spring practice, I mean, that's probably how walk-ons feel sometimes. You know, they fill on the periphery, but these were, a ton of these guys were scholarship people. Did the people you talked to feel, David, kind of, uh, was there a bitterness? Was it just kind of, were they relieved to be out of there? What was the, what was the, uh, what was kind of the, the vibe from all those people you were visiting with? Well, I think there was a sense from them that, that Dion never really gave them a chance to kind of prove themselves, that they were part of a 1-11 team, and that sort of made them damaged good. And Dion was chasing the new and shiny thing in the portal. I wasn't there every day. I wasn't in practice every day. Um, You know, how much of that is accurate? You know, how much of that, you know, how much of a chance did Dion really give them? You know, I don't know. But Dion has been pretty, you know, straightforward since the day he got there has reiterated it several times during the spring since, hey, we're getting some of these dudes out of here. We're going to bring in new guys. And so some of the players that left in the portal before spring or before the spring game, you know, sense that, hey, I'm this is not going well. The coach is not talking to me. I, I don't have a relationship with him. They're getting on me. I'm running with the twos and threes in some cases or so-and-so. So some of these guys saw that. There were a few guys, you know, there were 23 guys Monday and Tuesday um, that entered the portal. The vast majority of those, the only one I know for certain that did not leave uh, as a request was Montana Lamonius Craig. You know, but he said basically, you know, the, the vast majority of the guys that left Monday and Tuesday were essentially shoved into the portal. So, you know, this has been a long time coming, but I, I, the thing I keep coming back to is college football is a results business, and everything he's doing is legal. If it doesn't work, if the program struggles, or this hurts him on the recruiting trail moving forward, you know, that this is going to be a move and a strategy that, that gets blasted, you know, similar to the way Charlie Weiss tried to do this with JUCOs at Kansas. If this works, if can you know, if Colorado wins eight games next year against all odds, I mean, Dion's going to be hailed as a genius, and I think you're going to see other coaches attempt this. So, you know, in a results business, it's going to be interesting because we're not going to see any real results for another, what, five months, four months. Yeah, David Ubbin from The Athletic joining us. Matt Mosley show ESPN Central Texas. But we're sitting here talking about Colorado in the offseason. I mean, in some ways, the relevance is there. They did huge numbers on that uh, spring game. The ESPN numbers they did, David, at our former place, uh, like half million viewers or something like that. It's, it's amazing. I can't help, though, when you talk about this sort of chaotic situation and so many players leaving, those of us that have known Dion a long time, especially those of us that have been around the Metroplex a lot, I can't help but think about prime prep and think about how much of a mess it was. Now, this is a whole different animal. This is a, this is a university. He has more help around him, but at the same time, 
is the help. I don't know. David, you may know this AD. I kind of know him a little bit because he used to be with the Texas Rangers organization. Um, Rick George, I guess is his name. But the, you you kind of need somebody strong in place when Dion comes to town. But Otherwise, he'll just run over everybody. And I would say most of the country couldn't tell you who the AD is there, the president or anything. It's just they know Dion has arrived in Colorado. Are you like me? Do you? Is it hard for you not to think of the chaos he sort of brought with him in the past? Or do you think he has kind of enough structure around him where we shouldn't, you know, maybe, maybe that stuff shouldn't be worried about that much? Well, ultimately, you know, I, I wrote about how Rick George reeled in Deion Sanders, and one of the things he said is he's going to let Deion be Deion. They talked at length about his strategy, how he was going to build his program. So I'm going to gain this as a surprise to Colorado's people. Um, you know, I'll be curious to know what others around the league and around the sport think about it. But, you know, again, this is all legal. Colorado could not get worse. So people are saying, oh, this is going to be a disaster. It's going to go off the rails. What would you classify Colorado football in 2022? 1-11, yeah. guys came in their number, you know, in two-thirds of the game. So the, the, the bar is on the floor, and I think that makes this particular situation an interesting one for Dion. He's not inheriting an 8-9 win team. He's inheriting a program that could not be worse. And so any improvement, you know, if they win four or five games, there's going to be detractors, but they're, they're improved. And so in that way, it's almost the sort of a bulletproof strategy. All right, I and I, I'm wondering, did you uh, did anything come up as you were reporting the story about the the Colorado, where they're uh, what they're thinking? So many rumors. Could Colorado be thinking about a move to the Big Twelve? We saw the comments the other day where I think the president kind of came out and said, "No, I don't, I don't know why all that's out there." Although the president said something like, "You know, we'll we'll see. We think it'll be acceptable. We'll see what this TV deal is." What do you? What did you? Have you gotten any kind of a general feeling for how much there is behind some of these rumors? And do you think Colorado, like some of these other um, Pac-12 leftovers, is still pretty solid with the Pac-12 um, and just kind of waiting on this uh, media deal to get done? What were you? What were your thoughts on all that as you kind of talked to people around? Obviously, you were kind of talking to Colorado about different things. I mean, I think it comes down to just it's pretty simple. You know, you talk to people in the Pac-12, they say, oh, this new media deal is going to be great. You talk to people in the Big 12, ah, they don't have it. As soon as they know they don't have it, we're going we're gonna to poach all these schools. At the end of the day, at some point in a date that seems to constantly be kicking, being kicked down the road, they're going to have to put pen to paper and say, this is how much money we're getting in this media deal. And, you know, Whatever that number ends up actually being is going to depend. It's going to decide whether or not the Arizona schools and Colorado and all these other places are are happy in the Pac-12 or, or start to really look elsewhere. All right, hey, listen, I uh, I appreciate this, David. Really good stuff. I mean, for you to talk to all these people and track down these people as they're uh, as they're as these players as they're going through this, and and of course uh, you'll see where they end up. I mean, I hope that one kid. You know, you were talking to the, uh, uh, and, and it, he put it out on Twitter, the 6'8". I mean, it's hard to believe. I mean, some of that makes you kind of sad, doesn't it, David? Like the, the child of uh, a player from the 1990 championship team who's 6'8", in this, you know, seemingly unbelievable offensive line prospect has said, no, nah, sorry, 
You're not in. I didn't think what Dion said to him was that mean. It was just like, hey, we think you have a future. It's just not here. So all of that was fascinating. I know you need to get going. I did want to say, by the way, uh, Chuck Carlton, a uh, guy you and I both were friends with, we got the news yeah. earlier today that he passed away. Uh, loved covering the Big 12. You and I saw him in press boxes forever. I worked with him at the Dallas Morning News for years. And so, David, I, yeah, I just wanted to say a quick word um, about Chuck. Very, very sad day for a guy who loved the conference, loved covering it, and just loved being a sports writer. It was. I'm going to miss him. I, I think, you know, there, were, there weren't a lot of people in this business who were nicer, better to people, and worked harder than Chuck, and, and, and we're really going to miss him. All right. I'll, uh, I'll talk to you soon, David. Really appreciate your time, and uh, I'll, uh, I'll see you soon. Thanks. See you, Matt. Okay. There he goes. David Ubbin from The Athletic.